Well, good morning, church. Everyone, uh, just take a deep breath. So we're beginning a new series called Peace Be With You. Peace is mentioned over 400 times. You didn't know that in Scripture? 400 times. You could basically read the word peace in different verses every day of the year. I wonder what your life would look like if you did that. Peace be with you. It's something that everyone wants, but very few, if you look around, seem to have. In fact, this morning I prayed that the Lord would not send great numbers to Oikos Church, but he would send people who need to hear God's words of peace. Now, alternatively, that should be great numbers. But as I thought about that, I also know that he knows exactly who needs to be here. And so maybe you're one of those people that you need to hear God's words of peace upon your heart. The Old Testament definitely has peace written throughout it, and they, in Hebrew, use the word shalom. And it often, almost always, refers to relationships between people, nations, and God. So when you look in the Old Testament and you see peace, you will most often find it has something to do with a relationship between you and I or a relationship between a nation and a nation or myself and the nation or a relationship between myself and God or God and his nations. In Psalm 85.8, it says, I listen carefully to what God the Lord is saying for he speaks peace to his faithful people. But let them not return to their foolish ways. Shalom, that word, is often connected to a covenant, something that we appreciate here at Oikos Church. It's about a promise kept. Covenants, again, almost always refer to relationships. And relationships almost always have a written, spoken, or unspoken covenant. Whether you like it or not, you enter a relationship and you have expectations, right? And when they're met, you often find peace. Is that right? And whether they are said or unsaid, clarified or not, you know that when that person actually fulfills the covenant, you go, wow, that's really nice. At Discipleship here in Oikos, we talk about a person of peace. And we describe that as a person who, firstly, God has placed in your life. Then Sarah and I often talk about a word called easy. It's when people are easy. Maybe you can get me here. We invite people over to our house, and they actually ask questions about us. And they seem interested. They actually want to know more about what's going on with us and our family. They're willing for us to ask questions and they're transparent enough to answer them truthfully. Now maybe our expectations for a person of peace are kind of low. But when we look for that, that's what we look for. We go, oh, we invited this person over. 
and they actually cared about what's going on in our life, and they're willing to share what was going on in their life. Sarah and I will go, gee, person of peace. Now, there's some other elements of that, like maybe they pick up their dishes, and you go, wow, that's awesome, (laughs) right? Or maybe they go, hey, can I get you something to drink? They feel at home, in your home. Person of peace. We often say, did they seem at peace within our house? Did they have shalom? Or were they really nervous? Have you guys all experienced that? If you start to open up your home, you're going to experience it. The more people you have over, the more you're going to go, oh, that was easy. Or you're going to go, that wasn't so easy. That was a long time. And the Greek word for peace is erene. It's basically the same thing as shalom. Has to do with covenants, has to do with peace, has to do with these words like tranquility. But the actions and the attitudes that we do to produce peace are minimal compared to what God does. Peace always comes from Him first. Luke chapter 2, verse 14 says, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. The story that we're going to look at today actually begins with two individuals. We don't have peace. Let's take a listen. I don't understand. The things he did. The things he said. I was certain he was the one. What kind of conversation is this? Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things which have happened there these days? What things? The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet, mighty indeed, worthy before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who would redeem Israel. No foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? You hoped it was he who would redeem Israel. Was it not in the garden, when sin was birthed, that the conquering of sin was promised? From the beginning there was the promised coming of one who would smite that serpent of old, but not without suffering affliction. What relevance does any of this have with the Messiah? You call us fools, claiming we do not believe the prophets. My entire life, I lived under the foot of Rome. The only hope I had was in the prophets. 
in the words they had written, in the Messiah they had promised. This Jesus, I hoped, I believed, he was the one. And then they killed him. David said that his hands and feet would be pierced. His garments would be divided, and for his clothing they would cast lots. Just as the rock in the wilderness had to be struck by Moses in order to bring forth water, so too the Son of Man had to be stricken to bring forth living water. Our village is here. Please abide with us, for it is toward evening and the day is far spent. Father, thank you for giving us this day our daily bread, that hunger may be satisfied. Remember the suffering servant, spoken of by Isaiah. He was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. His wounds, we are healed. We have to tell everyone. find the story in the gospel of Luke chapter 24. As I went through the story, the first verse that was highlighted for me was in verse 13. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. Now to get into the picture of what was happening, this was a full day of stress. Just a couple days before that, they had watched who they thought was possibly the Messiah be crucified. He's put to death. There were fears in their minds about what had happened to him because the women had run back to the, from the tomb that morning and said they'd taken the body. There was a story they were contending with. Was he stolen or did he actually do what the women said? Was he risen? If you can imagine what kind of thoughts were going through their head, maybe if you're like me, you would be going, if he is risen from the dead, does he know right now that I'm doubting it? And if he isn't, how do I contend with these women who are kind of got this crazy notion just to keep him alive so that they won't be sad? 
surrounding all of this was also the threat to their own life. They knew that the Roman authority had killed him. They knew that the Jewish leaders hated him. You can imagine you may be in that position of, because I followed him, will I meet the same fate? Perhaps that's why they were walking seven miles away from Jerusalem. Would this anger that had spread through just a few days before end with Jesus? Or would it pass on to me? They were stress-filled days. These were not days that were filled with peace. And in the midst of all of this, Jesus appears. He says in verses 17 and 18, he asks them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stop short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Clopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened here in the last few days. Sadness was written across their faces. Now, perhaps you've had some stressful days. That's why we all took a breath. They probably can't compare to what Clopas and this other disciple were experiencing. Or rightly compare. But they might have been pretty stressful. Some examples of stress... In our world today, as I look this up, the death of a loved one. Do you all agree that can cause some stress? There's a whole bunch of emotions tied around that, right? Divorce cause stress. For those of you that have experienced it, whether it was your parents, yourself, a loved one, you may not even want to be thinking about that right now. Loss of a job. Anyone experience that kind of stress? Changes things, right? You have your way, your plan, and then all of a sudden, everything kind of gets turned over. Increase in financial obligations or kid going to college, maybe. Getting married. Anyone remember the stress? Getting married. Some of you, it's very close to your history. Others, you might be getting, maybe that's why you're not married yet. Just thinking about the stress of the whole event makes you go, well, let's just push that off. Moving into a new home. Anyone stressed out when you move into a new home? Just pause for a moment and think about these things. What do you talk about when you are stressed moving into a new home? Can you afford it? Was it the right decision? Are we going to find something that was really wrong that they didn't find? Are we going to hate this place? I remember the first time that, well, we've only bought one home. So it's, not, it's the first and only Sarah and I bought our house, and of course, it's an old house. Many of you have been in it. 
It didn't have insulation in the attic, walls, or floor. And the first night we spent in the house, they didn't have a quiet zone in our neighborhood, so the train tracks, they would blow the horn every block, and our blocks are small, small little city blocks. So we're talking at least 25 times that you'd hear this horn. And there were at least four trains that first night. There were animals and critters underneath the house that we heard. We were like, what have we done? (laughs) But there was no turning back because we had this fancy thing called the 80-20 mortgage. So there was no collateral. There was no equity. There was nothing. We were, in all senses, stuck. There's a lot of stress that can occur moving into a new home. Chronic illness or injury. There's a lot of what ifs when those things happen. And I think we all can relate to emotional problems, depression, anxiety, anger, grief, guilt, low self-esteem. Maybe some of you visited your family for Thanksgiving or they visited you. Might have been stressful. No? It was just wonderful, wasn't it? (laughs) Remember, relationships can cause stress. Stress is often the opposite of peace. If you've experienced this this past week or through the past few months, maybe the words shalom or arene are really important to you. Because remember, peace, when it comes from God, is always connected, almost always connected to relationships, to nations, and to himself. I read this last week that nearly two-thirds of Americans, like 63%, say that the future of the nation is a very or somewhat significant source of stress. This is slightly more than the perennial stressors like money, that's at 62%, and work, 61%. According to the American Psychological Association's report, Stress in America. How many of you with your friends or with your family, you talk about work and how stressful it is? Just go ahead and raise your hand on this. And how many of you talk about money, maybe not with your coworkers, but perhaps as an area of stress? Oh, you're all doing really well, huh? Money's not an issue. And what about the future of the nation? Would you agree? Few hands. Few hands. But you know what? That future of the nation, if you look back in history, there has been a constant source of stress. Because when you talk about the future, what's the first thing we want to do? We want to control it. 
And when you try to control something you can't, what comes? Stress. Sure does. Perhaps you've had sadness written across your faces. In fact, I've seen a few of them. Maybe it was one of those stressors that we talked about, or maybe it is relationships that have been fractured. Maybe you have sensed that something is not going to go your way. And if you're kind of in that sense, then you are kind of stepping into the shoes of those two disciples that day. See, they were walking down this road knowing that Jesus was dead. And they were disciples, which meant they were following him for the past couple of years, possibly, maybe even a little bit longer. They put all their hope in him. They thought he was a prophet, possibly a Messiah that would make their life better, that would kind of change this Roman authority into a new era, a new future for their government. One where they wouldn't be oppressed, but instead they would be lifted up. They probably had some hopes that Jesus would also usher in a new religious authority. You would be blind to think that people then see corruption within the temples, within the temple and the other places of worship. They were hoping in Jesus, but their hopes were pulled down just as his body was pulled down from the cross. And their hope was put away just like his body was sealed in the tomb. And they were walking down the road, I believe, pretty stressed. And they're probably intently discussing things that were not about faith in Jesus, but instead about everything that went wrong in the last two days. Now, think about those moments when you've been stressed. When you're in the pinnacle of stress, are you talking about everything that Jesus has promised? Or are you talking about everything that's going wrong? Real question, what are you doing? You're talking about this thing, not this thing, right? Anybody want to be honest on that? I, you don't have to be honest. Everyone does this. When you're at the pinnacle of stress, I will tell you when I was sitting in my, or laying in my home with my wife, should be celebrating and thankful for our new home, and I started getting stressed because I wasn't sleeping, because sleep is important to me. I was over here going, what have we done? How can there be blessing here? How can there be a future? I wasn't over here going, thank you, Jesus. You are amazing and awesome. I believe that you're in this with us, that you're present right now, that even though this is hard, you will, you'll help me endure. I mean, it wasn't that hard. And I wasn't thinking about Jesus. When we get stressed, we do the same things. 
And I guess that for us, when we think about just believing in Jesus, we take that as a, Aaron is again just dismissing stress. But I think the words of Jesus are really important for us. Because I think too often we dismiss his words. And we stay in this condition because we don't want to believe him. But what I love about Jesus is that he does with us the exact thing that he did with his two disciples that day that I believe were stressed out, leaving Jerusalem, probably watching out for their own skins. He gets right in the middle of it doesn't leave them. Now he does kind of slap them a little. And he says they're foolish. But you know, sometimes I need Jesus to tell me, Aaron, you're being foolish. Or Aaron, you're being unthankful. Or Aaron, you're being short-sighted. Because when I get into this area, I just can't see him. Maybe you can't relate to that, but that's how I am when I get really stressed. All of a sudden, Jesus cannot be seen, just like these disciples could not see their rabbi's face. A guy that they had walked around with. Now, God prevented them from that. But what a message for us that in these times that we often say are the most stressful times of the year, the holiday season, and we're supposed to be celebrating him, we can't see him because we're so inward-focused, short-sighted, and we have forgotten the words of Christ. So when sadness is written across our faces, Jesus asks us to remember him and believe in him. Now, some clinical stress reducers that I looked up would say to do these things. And I'm not dismissing them. I actually think they come from some truths that God shares. First thing is to meditate. A few minutes of practice per day can help ease anxiety. So I would just tell you guys, not that I'm an expert, but you know I often want to be the expert, so I'll just give you my expert advice. Prayer. What would your day look like if you spent a few moments each day in prayer? I saw a person who's lived many years and they said the secret to their success was every morning they get up and they thank the Lord for the day that's ahead and that they get one more day. And every night, I mean, it's simple prayer, right? Every night they go to bed and they thank the Lord for the day that they were given. That's moving away from stress and into God's provision. Another thing was breathe deeply. We just did that. I do this exercise 
I breathe deeply, but I add one thing into it. When I breathe deeply, when I take a five-minute break, this is what you're supposed to do and focus on breathing. I think of the psalm where it says, be still and know that I am God. Oftentimes when we're stressed, we don't believe we have five minutes, right? Oftentimes when we feel like there's life is out of control, to stop for five minutes to be still and know that you're not God seems impossible. But here's a clinical response to do for stress. Take five minutes. I would say take five minutes and attribute those to God. What would your days look like from now until January 1st, 2019? If we took five minutes and attributed them, attributed them to God. Five minutes. I'm going to be still and know that you are God, not me. You can even, there's a great exercise. It's called contemplative prayer. And what you do is you simply, it's a very simple process, but it's very difficult. You repeat those things. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that you, my Father, are God. Be still, be still, be still. And keep repeating, repeating. I've had some people in my discipleship groups do this, and they get aggravated when I ask how their contemplative prayer is because it is easy, but it's not. It seems easy, but it's not because you get distracted. But what would happen to you if you took five minutes to really listen to the Lord? Not just tell Him, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this. Right? Sometimes prayers are all about what you need and not so much about Him. What would happen in those moments if He said, Lord, speak to me? I'm here. I'm still. And I know that you are God. Another thing is to be, be present and slow down. So I would put in this observe. Oftentimes we don't see what God is doing because we're not willing to stop for a moment and just look. Sometimes we forget what he's done because we don't take a moment and just say, wow, look at all the things he's done. So I would take this and say, observe and give thanks. Number four is to reach out. We encourage that here. Talk to God's family. In your moment of stress, don't do what Satan wants you to do, which is to withdraw. Instead, go to someone. Don't ask that person to fix it for you. Right? That's our shortcut way of trying to make things better. And if a person comes to you, don't feel like you have to fix it. Engage the one who can give you shalom and erene. God starts with him. So pray with them. 
go to someone. So if I'm stressed out, I should go to Dina and say, Dina, can you pray with me? I may have done the most stupid thing, but I just need you to pray so that I can have God's peace. Or maybe I've messed up in the workplace and I think I'm going to lose my job. I don't need to have a fixer. I need to have a prayer. Someone who can help me to see that God is with me, that his promises are real, that his covenant of peace with me has not been taken away. The last thing is to tune in to your body. So there's nothing wrong with that, but I would change it. Tune in to Jesus. Turn yourself to him. Look for him. Remember those promises that he has not left you or forsaken you, that you are not alone. That he is Christ the King, which means he's always present. Stress comes because we see a world that has no Jesus. Just like these disciples on the road to Emmaus, they thought Jesus was gone. And my theory is, stress comes in our life when we forget that Jesus is here. Now we can say, oh no, no, I believe and I still have stress. But if you actually go into those times that you have stress and what's causing the stress, is Jesus really a part of it? Is he even a part of the solution? Or is it simply, is he simply gone? Just like those disciples on the road to Emmaus who were walking thinking that he is dead. And there he is right by them and they cannot see him. We start to disbelieve the words that he says. I will always be with you. And instead, we believe that we are alone. That's what we do when we're in stress. We also start to disbelieve that he has the power to fix all things. And instead, we start to believe we have to fix it. We also start to disbelieve that he is actually our provider. And instead, we look for ways to provide for ourselves. Maybe you're different from me, but that's what I do when I'm stressed. I have to fix it. I have to figure out how to do it. And I'm often doing it alone. In our unbelief, just, with the, just like the disciples, Jesus stays with us. And I love the ending of the story that even in all their unbelief and all the things that they could not see in him, even after he had started talking scripture with them and walking them through this story, they still weren't believing and he still stayed with them and sat down and then had a meal with them. And then they saw and began to believe. But even after that, if you read, they kind of weren't totally believing until he came again and said, peace be with you. 
We need those words of Jesus each day. And that's why when you meditate because you're stressed out, maybe those are the words that you need to hear. Peace be with you. Maybe if you exercise this discipline of contemplative prayer, maybe those are your words that you focus on. Peace be with you. And as you listen to the Lord, as he speaks those words, then perhaps you will receive them like the disciples did in John chapter 20. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Everyone take a deep breath. If you like the person next to you, take another breath and breathe on them. Hopefully you brush your teeth. The breath of Jesus is on you. He lives in you. Just as the Father has sent him, he has sent you. And we can be in the camp of stressed out people that we can't see Jesus, that everything is going down the toilet, that there's no hope, that it's better to withdraw and run away than engage. Or we can take the invitation today to let his breath come upon us. And as that breath comes upon us, become the person that reminds the person who's stressed. I'm with you, just as Jesus is with you. And even though you're whacked out and crazy and not fun to be with, even though you may come to my house and not ask any questions about our family and act like you don't really care and just want to talk about yourself, Jesus has asked me to sit with you until you believe. At the end of the day, it's not about me. Because my comfort is not on how I fix it. My comfort is receiving the breath of Jesus upon me. And knowing that my future is secured. Not just my future of me dying and having eternal life. I mean, that's awesome and that's huge and that's big. We just, it's hard to grasp. But today is secured. There is nothing... You guys, how about this challenge? Try to stress me out today. Test me. I will be secured in the fact, I might fail, but I don't think so, because I just asked you to, and I'm very competitive. <laughs> I will turn back and go, there is nothing that I need from anyone other than Jesus. I can be filled with peace when I let go of everything else and focus on him. Believe in him. Believe in his words. I know they're hard. It's hard to love your enemy. It's hard to believe that he's always with you. It's hard to believe that he won't get upset with you. 
that he isn't trying to punish you. It's hard to believe that he will always, always walk with you. It's hard to believe that the invitation from Jesus never ends. But he asks you to believe. And may you have peace. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time, and I ask that you would breathe upon us for those of us who are struggling in stress, that maybe it's hard to see you. Send your people, Lord, to remind that person that you are here. Remind them that your love does not fail, that you will continue to walk with them that they are not alone. Lord, for those who have circumstances that happen around them, that are outside of their control, remind them, breathe upon them, that everything is in your hands. No matter how out of control it may seem, there is peace when we stand next to, next to you. Lord, help us to not accept stress as our only reality and instead to accept the invitation into your peace. May we have shalom today, Lord. Irene, Lord, as you breathe into our spirits, as you invite us to believe. And teach us to pray the prayer that you've taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.